I'm really excited today as we continue our sermon series that we've been walking through all month here at Hope City Church. Uh, Heart for the House for me has been very challenging and also very encouraging. And what we've been discovering is that our hearts are really important. They really are. And at the end of the day, if our heart is not in a good spot, everything else that, that we do, everything that we can see, it will just fall apart. We've talked about stuff like our, our money and our finances, that if our heart's not in the right place, we're going to have a hard time investing what God's given us, and we actually tend to waste it, don't we? And we've also talked about marriage and relationships. We've talked about parenting. And the thing is, we, we like to try to work on the things that we can see, don't we? We, we do, because those are the easiest things to maybe fix right at first. Well, something that I am horrible at fixing are just things in general, especially when it comes to maintenance around the house. Uh, my father-in-law is super handy, and uh, they just moved to Joplin a few months ago, and I'm always nervous when he comes to my house, because I know he's going to, he, he doesn't do this, but I'm just afraid that he's going to find all the stuff that I've been neglecting for a long time, because I'm just not handy. I don't know if any of you else are like that, anybody else is like that, but I'm not. The first power tool we owned was a drill, and it was my wife's, okay? Can I just be honest? <laughs> but I, I'm trying to get better. I really am. I, I look at YouTube. Things are getting there. Uh, about, about a year ago, I fixed a light fixture in our dining room. I replaced it. Everything was great, except I forgot to turn off the breaker and I almost died. Uh, that was not good. And I, a couple months ago, I uh, replaced the wax ring in our toilet. Okay. If you ever want to be disgusted, go to YouTube, type in how to fix a wax ring and then do it. It is, it is nasty. But all that to say, I'm getting better. A couple months ago though, I I might have goofed up a little bit. I was walking past our guest bathroom and I heard water running. And I I, I turned the light on and I looked in there. The faucet was turned off. The toilet wasn't running. The the bathtub, nothing was, was, no water was dripping out. And so I thought, man, this can't be a big deal. Turned the light off and I just kept going about my day. Well, I, I heard it the next day. And I was like, man, I should really go look. Turned on the light, looked, no water. Turned it off and kept going about my day. Well, the third day, my wife, who is much smarter than me, if you know her, Christine, she's an angel, she's awesome, and she called me the third day, and she said, Charlie, I think there's water running in our bathroom. And I said, oh, is there? She played dumb. And I was like, yeah, that's crazy. Is, how's the toilet, the, the faucet, and the bathtub? No water's running. It's okay. And she said, we should probably call somebody. And if you've ever been married for any length of time, you know what she's saying. It's not we, it's me. I need to go call somebody. So I call my buddy Nathan, and Nathan comes over, and we diagnose it. I say we, him. Uh, he diagnosed that I probably had something wrong with the copper piping in my foundation in the slab. I was like, ugh, what's that mean? Do we get duct tape? What do we need? And he said, no, you need to call a plumber. So we called a plumber. He brought a jackhammer. He, he got in one of our bedrooms and uh, dug up the concrete, and they fixed uh, the pipe, luckily. You know, a lot more money than I was hoping for, but it's okay. It's all fixed now. But what happened was, I knew there was a problem. I even sensed there was a problem. I definitely heard there was a problem, but I didn't see it. So I just ignored it like nothing was wrong. We like to fix the things that we can see, and we tend to ignore the things that we can't. And here's what I know. We need to have a heart for the house. We need to have a heart for what God is building in our lives. But more importantly, we need to have a heart for the foundation. Because if what's going on in our life, the relationships, the investments, the, the, the work, everything that we're doing, if it doesn't have a strong foundation, 
it's more than likely to crumble. And today I want to wrap up our series talking about our foundation. Everything that you and I do in our lives will either stand or crumble based on whether our hearts are in a good spot. It's true. You've experienced this probably in your life. I know I've experienced it in mine. And I'm guessing right now, you can think of an area or two in your life where you can't really see a problem, but you can kind of sense that there's something going on. There's a relationship that's kind of, it's not right. There's something in your own heart that's, that you're struggling with. You can't see it. But can I just implore you today, please, please don't ignore it. There is too much writing on what God's wanting to do in your life. And thankfully, guys, I have, I have good news for us today. Uh, the Bible, that speaks to how we can strengthen not only the stuff that we can see, like our relationships and our finances, but it also speaks to how we can have a strong foundation and that God can build our heart so that we can begin to build some incredible things in our lives. Today, we're going to look at Proverbs chapter 4. It's the words of Solomon. Um, and we're going to look at chapter 4, verse 23. And we're going to highlight some, some phrases, underline some words, so that we can have a better understanding of what does it look like to have a healthy heart, to have a healthy foundation, so that we can begin to build uh, what God wants in our lives. And Solomon is telling us this, that even though we want to focus on our actions and the things that we can see and other, other people can see in our lives, we need to get to the core of everything that we say or do, because that comes down to our heart. So Proverbs chapter 4, verse 23. It says this, above all else, guard your heart for everything you do flows from it. Above all else. Solomon starts off with telling us that above all else, what is most important, what is most essential in life is to make your heart a priority. Recently, I heard of a study that a group of people did, individuals did, and they wanted to test how people would respond and make decisions in times of crisis. When things were not very stable, what they would do. Most of the tests were actually really simple, but my favorite one was this. It involved water, of course, in a bathtub. And uh, what happened was you would walk into a room and a bathtub would be running and begin to overflow. And they would hand the people three different options. They'd say you could have a teaspoon, a tablespoon, or a cup, and you need to try to empty this bathtub as fast as you can. Well, they'd, they'd throw people in there, and most of the time, just naturally, like you would do, and what I would do, I'd grab the cup, because it's the biggest, right, and get as much water out as I could. But there was a small number of people. They'd step in the bathroom, they'd take a step back, and then they'd walk forward. They would turn off the water, and then they'd unplug the drain, and then they would, they would get the cup and begin to empty the bathtub. For many of us, When our life reaches a crisis, when the water level is rising, what we do is we grab what we can see. We grab what is closest and what we can control, and we try to fix what's going on. But at the end of the day, we're frantically trying to do stuff that's not going to make a big dent at all. We like to fix things we can see, but we'll tend to ignore the things that we can't. A wife, she leaves her husband because he has a really bad temper. So what does he do? He goes into an anger management class. A couple is struggling financially. They, they just can't have enough money for rent, let alone food for the entire month. So what do they do? They get all their stuff that they have and they have a garage sale. They make a little bit of money and then they buy a book on budgeting. Another man, he struggles with high blood pressure. His health isn't good. So he goes to the doctor and the doctor says, man, you need to change some things. Here's a prescription and here's what you need to do. You need to work, change your schedule a little bit. So the man goes to the pharmacy he goes to his calendar, talks to his wife, and says, this is how we're going to do things a little bit differently. And the truth is, guys, all of those things are really good. They are. And they have a place. 
But at the end of the day, it's just behavior modification. It's just modifying what we're already doing, hoping that it makes a lasting change. It's like taking a cup uh, of water and trying to empty the bathtub. But what we really need to do is we need to turn off the water and pull the drain. See, we need to take a bigger look at the, uh, at the issue, not just the symptoms. And what we tend to do, if you're like me, is we see that something's not right. So we make a list of behaviors that we need to change. I am not feeling good mentally, so I'm going to start going to the gym. I'm going to start eating healthier. And all those things are really good, but simply behavior modification, changing what we do is not the key to lasting change. What we need is an internal transformation. You may think you have an anger problem, but you have a heart problem. You may think that you have a spending problem, but you have a heart problem. You may have a a gossip, a pornography, an eating problem, but the truth is, You have a heart problem. And if we focus and try to change our behaviors, the parts of our lives that we can see, it will bring temporary change. And you may be good for a week or two. You've experienced this. I know you have. Where you you get caught in this cycle where you change what you do. I I won't upload this app. I won't go to this place. I won't hang out with this person. And for a week or two, you're doing really good. But then pretty soon, you just get exhausted. And you keep falling back into the same situations over and over again. And we're just trying to bail out water, but the faucet, it's still running. This is exactly why Solomon says this, before everything else, above everything else, guard your heart. Focus on your heart like it's your greatest asset and your greatest possession. He continues in Proverbs 4, verse 23. Above all else, guard your heart. We don't just focus on our heart. We know it's important, but we also have to do something. It says that we should guard our heart. And the word for guard here in the original Hebrew language has this idea of keep or this idea of setting up a watchman who's going to guard it, what's going in and what's coming out. I've always thought that that word guard, because I went to youth camps growing up and it always meant, don't let anybody into your heart. It's purity. Keep it your heart. And I always hated when my girlfriend went to one of those camps because I knew she was going to come back and break up with me. Okay. But that's not what Solomon's saying here. He is saying this, you have to protect what is out from coming in, but you must also protect what is in from getting out that needs to be in there. It's similar to what we do every single Sunday with our city kids ministry. I love seeing the families up here with these kids. And if you look at a parent, the most precious thing in all their world is their child, isn't it? It is so beautiful. I love when the kids are up here. They usually do crazy things. One's talking right now. Like they're, they're awesome. I love them. They're so precious to us. And so what do we do here at church? We want to create an environment and a space just for kids birth through fifth grade because we know how important it is to you. We know how important it is to them. And Jamie and Tyler, they they do a phenomenal job of creating an age-appropriate environment. And so if you've never checked it out as a parent, you should. It is awesome what they do. But they have amazing volunteers as well. Those volunteers, they lead them in worship. They have life group. uh, They sing songs. They even have snack time. Can you believe that? I've tried to get Cody to give us a snack time like in the middle of adult worship, like time out, let's pass some snack. Uh, The communion bread, it tastes good. It is not a snack, unfortunately. But what I love about these volunteers is they care a lot about the kids. And the thing is, we are really careful about who we let back there. Every volunteer is interviewed. Every volunteer is background checked before they're allowed to step back in city kids ministry. And even if you as a parent, if you need to go pick up your kid, 
You don't just pick up a kid that kind of looks like yours or you want to take, you'd rather switch them out. It's not how that works. No, what happens is you are given a, a tag and that tag is, matches with your kid exactly. And so we're really careful about who we let in back in the city kids ministry. But we're also really careful about what we let out. Like, just so you know, there are not babies crawling in the lobby right now, making their way to the bathrooms and having fun. There are not third graders running around wild in the parking lot because we know it's really important to keep what's important in. When Solomon says, guard your heart, he's saying we need to keep what needs to be out from coming in and we need to keep in what needs to stay in there. This is what Solomon is telling us in Proverbs 4. We need to be diligent about what we allow into our hearts. Jesus says it this way in Matthew chapter 6. The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. What Jesus is saying is this. What we consume and surround ourselves on the outside will eventually make its way to the inside. It will be again to affect our hearts in ways that we can't even see. But I promise you, a few days, a few weeks, a few months, you'll see it. And the people around you will see it. And it will be something that you did not expect to be growing in your life. See, for me, I have always, I've always enjoyed Kanye West's music. Like the before rapping about Chick-fil-A and Jesus Kanye, okay? I lo- I've loved listening to him. And I've always told myself, man, he's a great producer. His music sounds so good. I love it. And that is true. It is good. But the words, not so good, okay? It, it's not very wholesome. It's not very uplifting. And what I began to realize about a year ago was that it was beginning to affect my mood. Like when I'd listen to Kanye, this was the outcome. I just was not happy. I, it started to affect what I started to think about. And it started to affect my heart. And so I made a decision. It was hard. I said, okay, Charlie, no more Kanye. You can't listen to Kanye. But guess what? He came out with a gospel album so I can listen to Kanye again. <laughs> Jesus is king. Thank you, Kanye. But your heart is so important. And I know that seems simple, like just a, a music, but your heart is so important to allow certain things in your life. We have to make sure that we're proactive and guarding our heart. If you go to a place like Fort Knox in Kentucky, where our nation's gold is reserved and housed, they are proactive in guarding what is in there because they don't want anything that's supposed to be out from coming in or the important stuff from getting out. It is said that their walls are the hardest shell in the world. It has four foot uh, thick granite lined with cement, steel, and fireproof materi- material. It's said that the depository can actually withstand a direct hit from an atomic bomb. The front door weighs like 22 tons, and every square inch of the place is under surveillance. There are no blind spots. My wife, she played soccer across the river from Fort Knox, and she drove down there one time with her team on a school bus to play Fort Knox High School. And, you know, as soon as they pulled in, soldiers came on the bus. They checked what they were bringing in. They checked bags. They had mirrors and cameras go underneath the bus because they knew how important what was inside there. They were going to protect it at all costs. Think of your heart as Fort Knox because what is inside you is one of the most important things that you have. I know it's important what numbers in your bank account. I know how you, what's important how your kids are listening to you. I know it's important how your work is going and your career advancement. But at the end of the day, those stuff doesn't, it doesn't matter if what's inside is not in a good place because everything stems from it. So what are you doing to guard from attacks? What are you allowing to have free reign in your heart? Is it that one account on Instagram that every time you see their post or their story, it kind of messes with your contentment and you're kind of discontented? 
and you actually like your life a little bit less because if you see that post, maybe it's time to hit the unfollow button because your heart is way too important. You believe lies about who you are. I know some of you in this room, you feel worthless because maybe someone has said that to you or someone's treated you that way. And those are lies that you are allowing to just linger in your mind and in your heart. Your heart is way too important to let that stuff grow. The people that you're hanging out with, I know some of them have been your friends for a long time, but the truth is they're not making you better. They're actually pulling you down. You're not pulling them up. Maybe it's time to make a decision. Your heart, it is way too important. Now, now please hear me, guys. I'm not advocating for behavioral modification. I'm not asking you just to go change a bunch of stuff. Because remember, without internal transformation of the heart, it, it doesn't matter. It's pointless. I'm simply asking us to take an inventory of what we're allowing to shape our hearts. Because, listen to this, our behavior will mirror our heart. It will eventually. Our behavior mirrors our heart. Science even proves this. It's, it's called the law of exposure. That what we expose ourselves to, we begin to think, act, and feel. And it will begin to shape everything, especially our hearts. So we have to be careful about what we let in. But don't forget, we have to, be, we have to remember that we must keep watch about what comes out. Because there's some good stuff that God has in here that needs to stay in there. Right before Solomon tells us to guard his heart in verse 23, he writes this in verse 20. Take a look. My son, be attentive to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight and keep them where? Within your heart. God's word is the anchor we need when our hearts want to run wild with emotion. God's word is our filter when we experience a life-changing event. God's word is an anchor when our feelings and our emotions just want to take us to places that we know we shouldn't go. But if we don't have God's heart, word in our heart, we'll begin to grow some things that shouldn't be there. It says this in Psalm 119, verse 11. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. If we're spending time reading and, and studying and even uh, memorizing God's word, it begins to transform our lives. And we don't just focus on the outside hoping it changes the inside. We focus on the inside knowing that it will change our outside. If you've never downloaded the Bible app, like if you have a smartphone or a tablet, you need to download this app. You just type in Bible. I think the official name is YouVersion. But download that app because it has transformed the way that I read God's word and how I keep it in front of me all the time. One of the best features is that you can do a study with people and you can sign up and you can do a study together. It could be on parenting. It could be on the book of James. It could be about Jesus's parables. It could be on anything. And when you do it with other people, you actually are able to have conversations with them. You can type it out. So that means you don't have to get up at 5 a.m. to go to Starbucks to, to hang out with somebody. You can do a study in your bed at nine o'clock at night, okay? It's pretty awesome. If they're not your spouse, they shouldn't be in bed with you when you're doing that study. Just clarify. It, it's really important that we hide God's word in our hearts. We must guard our hearts, keep what needs to be out from coming in and keep what's in from getting out. And so Solomon finishes us, finishes telling us why our hearts are so important. Look back at Proverbs 4, 23. Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Now, this is really important part of this verse. And ultimately, guys, it comes down to our entire series of Heart for the House. It really does. If, if we don't understand this part, we don't, and we don't do anything that we've talked about, if we talk about our marriage, if you're trying to change your marriage, your parenting, your finances, if we don't understand where it all comes from, 
It's pointless. Because what will eventually you're building will eventually crumble. What was once good advice will not become good advice. It needs to be good, uh, good news that transforms our heart. And if we allow our heart to hear that, things start to change. See, Solomon tells us why we must make our heart a priority. See, everything you do, everything I do, how you treat your husband, how you treat your wife, how you spend your money, your time, how your character is at your job, how you interact with people, how you make decisions, guess what it all comes from? It comes from your heart. And if I were to take an inventory of my heart, if I were to just lay it out here and say, hey, here is my heart, can I just be honest with you guys? Like, Charlie's heart, I, I fail. I fall short. Like, I do some good things. I'm, I make coffee for my wife in the morning, right? That's, that's good to do. Uh, I, I do care a lot about people. I love to hear your story. I love to hear what God's doing in your life. Uh, that's good. But you know what else? I know I lose my temper with my boys way too often. I know how I spend my free time is not always uplifting. It's often very lazy and self-serving. I know that I struggle with, with stress and anxiety and worry, and I actually hold on to that more than I hold on to God's word. And I like to isolate myself sometimes. And I look at my heart, and the truth is, man, I need help. And I don't know you personally, but if I had to guess, I'm sure that you might feel the same way. That there are some areas in your life where you just struggle. And I know this because... Tyler said it earlier, we are all in the same boat. I know that life is not perfect and you're not perfect at life. And so I know that we all struggle. I know that we need help. And so here's what we do. We try to fix the parts of our lives that are hurting with the things that we can see and the others that can see. But we can no longer ignore the part of our lives that we can't see. And it's ultimately the change agent for everything that we do. And it's our heart. If you guys didn't know, it's, it's actually National uh, Heart Awareness Month. And there's plenty of tips uh, that the American Heart Association has given away to help people live like healthier lives. And so they're giving tips out this month. And so I decided, hey, here Hope City, let, let us talk about some tips for a spiritually healthy heart. How can you gauge, how can you make sure that what you're building, what God is doing in your life is coming from a strong foundation? And the first one is this, let people into your heart. Let people into your heart. Has anybody ever asked you the question, how's your heart? Like if you've grown, in, grown up in church at all, you've probably heard that question. And honestly, guys, I've always hated that question. <laughs> okay, so if you've asked me that, please don't be offended. Uh, but I've always just had a hard time with it. First, I don't know how to answer that question. Like it's, it's beating. Someone once told me it's the size of my fist. Uh, how's my heart? I, I don't know. And honestly, I don't think I've ever taken time to ask myself how my heart is. I've never taken an inventory of what God's doing in my heart and long enough to see how it's doing. So when someone asks me, how's your heart? I usually say, it's good. It's good. Like that's what I do. <laughs> but that's, that's not the truth. See, we need people in our lives who are willing to just dig beneath the surface, to not look at our behavior and how we're doing it this or that, but to say, no, really, Charlie, how, how are you doing? I think all of us in this room, I, here's, here's what I think we need. We need one person who's a committed Christian, who is of the same gender that can speak into your life. That when they ask you, how is your heart? You can tell them and they won't just judge you and say, well, you're going to hell. That's not what we need. We need someone who says, hey, you're an idiot, but I love you. Let's do something different. Let me pray for your heart. Let's do this together. See, I have this in my life. The people, the guys that I work with, we spend a lot of time together and it's a blast. 
And one in particular, his name's Connor. He's our high school pastor. He is one of the funniest guys you will ever meet. But what I love about Connor, from the first time I met him, he does such a great job of asking questions. And this past week, I was actually working on my message and believe it or not, I was stressing out. And he came up to me and he said, hey, Charlie, how are you doing? Because you don't look happy. See, a lot of times we, we end there, don't we? Hey, how are you doing? Good, cool. And we just keep going. But he added that extra question. You don't look very happy. See, we need people in our lives who are willing to, to ask us how our heart is. And we have to be willing to let them in. Because at the end of the day, our hearts are way too important for everything else that's going on in our life. We need to let people in our heart. The second way to have a spiritually healthy heart is this. Don't follow your heart because it's meant to be led. Don't follow your heart because the truth is it's meant to be led. See, advice that we hear often is this. Follow your heart. What what do you desire? Go after that. But can I be honest with you? If I follow my heart, I'm going to end up in a bad place doing dumb stuff. See, I know this to be true, and you do too. And what's crazy is God's word actually tells us this. Jeremiah chapter 17 says this, the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? Who can understand it? I don't know why I do some of the things that I do. Well, I do because my heart's sick. It needs help. Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 15, out of the heart come evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality, theft, false witness, and slander. See, if we follow our hearts, we're going to end up in jail, divorced, and alone. So should we follow our hearts? No, because the truth is our hearts are meant to be led. And you guys have seen this play out in real life. You've seen a dog owner that has a dog on a leash and that that dog is leading that owner, isn't it? And they're just being dragged behind. But if we look at a real dog owner who who takes the time to train their dog, they know, no, the dog doesn't lead me. I I lead the dog. And you can always see it. They take time and the, the dog is close to them at first. And then they give him more leash. And even though it may look like the dog's in front, you know who's leading. Guys, the truth is our heart is on a leash. Don't let it drag you through life. Don't let your heart drag you through life because it's going to lead you through some, some hard, some tough places. The, the, the third one is this. And I want this is, to, this is really, really important. And it doesn't matter how long you've been following God. Maybe this is your first time and you're not even sure if God is real or if what he has for you is, is good. But listen to this. This third one is most important. Give your heart to God. Give God your heart. See, the truth is, we said it earlier, we have a heart problem. And I know your life isn't perfect. You're dealing with stress, frustrations, anger, addiction, doubt, debt, and lack of purpose. And guys, we can't keep continuing to medicate the symptoms and ignore the heart. The only cure is a heart transplant. And I have good news for us today. 500 years before Jesus walked on this earth, God gave a promise to his people. He saw that his people were hurting. And he said, I want to give them something. I want to give them this promise. And it's not just for people 2,500 years ago. This promise is for people sitting in Joplin in February 2020 here in this venue right now. And it's for you. And this is what he says. I, God speaking, I will give you a new heart and put a new spirit in you. I will remove from your heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit in you and move you to follow my decrees. Please, please don't leave here with the same heart that you walked in here with. If you've never given your heart to God, I am so excited to tell you that there's a place for you. 
Next week, we are gonna be doing an all-in baptism weekend like, like Tyler talked about. And what's gonna be happening is people are gonna give their heart to God and say, I need help. See, baptism isn't saying I have it all figured out. I know everything there is to know about God and I'm doing good. Oh, and I'll get baptized. It's the opposite. It's saying, God, I don't know it. And I look at my heart and it is, it is ugly. It is sinful. I need help. And baptism is saying, I need you to give me a new heart. Some of you in this room today, you've actually never given your heart to God. You've been coming to church for a little bit. You've been coming to church for a while and maybe you're embarrassed to say, I've never given my life to God. Next week is for you. Maybe this is your first time here and you're experiencing God for the first time. I promise you, you don't have to have it all figured out. See, the baptism is a starting line. It's not the finish line. And God wants to take you on an incredible journey. And it is amazing. And so here's what you can do. Like, like Tyler said earlier, your connect card, there's that box. Just check it today and put it in the black uh, box when it's passed, the black buckets. Someone wants to talk to you about what that looks like to follow Jesus. Even if you aren't 100% sure, we wanna talk with you. And even after our worship gathering today, this first set of barn doors are gonna open up and there'll be people, people there that wanna talk to you. Maybe you have some questions or you're confused or you need someone to pray with you about this decision. They wanna help. But all I ask, please don't walk out of here with the same heart that you came in here with because there's so much writing on the line. There's too many people that you care about that need you to have a heart that God wants to give you. My, my buddy, uh, Eric, he was telling me recently about how he, he just adopted a, a five-year-old. She's six now. So they've had her for a while officially. They've had her for a couple of years, but adopted for a year. And she has a really hard time understanding that she is loved and that no matter what, he's not gonna just kick her out because she's been from house to house and knowing that if she messes up, she's gone. And so what he did is he went into her bedroom, painted a big red heart on the wall. And then he, he uh, painted a little circle. And in that circle, he wrote lying, being mean, disobeying. And what inevitably happens, his little girl will act out. And after she gets in trouble, do you know what she says? She says, you don't love me, do you, dad? And he takes her by the hand, walks her to her room and looks up at the heart. And he says, I know you lied. Are you still within your daddy's love? Are you still within your daddy's heart? She says, yes. Guys, today, I know that you don't have the perfect life. I know there are some things that you feel shame and guilt for because I feel it too. But because of Jesus, there is now no condemnation. You're not guilty. Just because you lied or because you've done something, you are not outside of God's love. In fact, you are more in his love now than you have ever been. And he loved you so much that he said, I wanna give you something. I wanna give you Jesus. And I wanna give you a new heart because I hate when my children hurt. I hate when my children don't have answers. And so that heart is for you. That heart for the house and what you're building is important. But what's really important is that you have a heart for the foundation that God's wanting to build upon. Would you pray with me? God, we love you and we thank you. I am so excited that today we get to come here and we got to hear your word. We get to worship you and we get to come just as we are. God, I know that there are stories in this room right now that they're just, they're tired. They're exhausted. God, would you please fill them up? God, because we know that we worship a God who gives us victory. We worship a God who gives us life. We, give us, we serve a God who gives us a new heart because the truth is we can't do it on our own. God, you just don't throw us in the middle of the ocean and say swim or sink. God, you give us the life raft, the boat in Jesus to allow us to experience life how it's supposed to be meant to be lived. God, we love you and we thank you. We can't do this uh, by ourselves. So God, would you please help us? Would you urge us? Would you help us take the next step of what it looks like to follow you? 
And we pray this all in Jesus' name, amen. Would you guys stand as we continue to sing?